back, everybody, to another episode of the Replacement Level Podcast. I'm your host tonight, Chris Phillips. Tonight, we have a special guest, Larry Stone of the Seattle Times, joining us. Rafal, unfortunately, he and I just can't seem to get our schedules right. Last week, I was on vacation. This week, he's on vacation. So uh, we will be getting back together here probably next show. Um, so fans, don't worry. We're not we're not fighting or anything like that. Just a little bit of scheduling conflicts going on with us. So but again, tonight we have the Larry Stone of the Seattle Times joining us. So, Larry, thank you for joining us tonight. My pleasure, Chris. Happy to be here. Thank you. So, Larry, you've been covering sports and you know specifically Seattle sports for the past thirty years. Um, what I, I kind of want to know: what got you interested in, in doing this in, in the first place? Well, it wasn't something I ever intended to do. I went off to college at Cal, you know, Cal Berkeley. And my freshman year, there was an ad in the paper saying they needed sports writers, and it just sounded like a fun thing to do. So I went into the office, and it just so happened that their Cal baseball writer had come down with mono uh, the previous week, and they were desperate for a baseball writer. So they put me on Cal baseball and kind of started from there. I loved it, uh, wrote for the paper for the next three years, and then decided to pursue it as a career and got hired out of college at the Yakima Herald Republic in eastern Washington. And uh in 1979 and and i've gone on from there awesome that's outstanding um yeah i can i can say that um this isn't something that i uh necessarily sat set out to do but um kind of got into it and everything i've really enjoyed my time um talking sports and writing sports um i'm covering the uh indianapolis colts and the Indiana Pacers for Sports Knot, and then I also cover the Seattle Manor, Seattle Seahawks, and then Portland Trailblazers for Pacific Northwest Sports as well. So um, definitely enjoy doing it. But um, I know, Larry, you have also gotten to do a, a book. You've written a book as well, an autobiography for Edgar Martinez. And like we like we said, you've been doing this for 30 years. I guess what made you decide to pick Edgar out of all the <laughs> – Mariners that you have covered in, in your time? Yeah, you know, I always had a good relationship with Edgar, enjoyed his, uh, you know, dealing with him from the time I uh, started covering him in the mid 90s. And then, then he became a coach and we maintained our relationship. He was the hitting coach, if you recall. And he was getting into the last years of his Hall of Fame eligibility. And I was kind of eager to do a book project and he just seemed like a natural uh, no one had written his life story uh, so I approached him in spring training I think it was 2017 or 2018 and asked him if he was interested in, in doing a book you know one, one, <laughs> we were on one of the backfields in Peoria and he kind of thought about it for a second and just said okay and so uh, <laughs> you know, I was delighted um, that year you know he was he was busy with his job as the hitting coach but once a week when the team was home I would go out to his house sit in his living room and just uh, tape his life story you know an hour or two at a time throughout the whole year and then at the end of the year uh, I, I sit down and I sat down and put it together and we worked together on finalizing it and uh, it became the the book called Edgar uh, an autobiography that was published in think 2019 and timed with his election to the hall of fame so that was fortuitous but it was a really meaningful project uh that you know i'm really glad i did so have you i mean have you ever written a book prior to that one or anything or just was that the first one that you've ever done uh i collaborated on a 
book of lists, sports lists with a friend uh, okay. back in 1989. So it had been, it had been a while. Um, so, and I did a couple of kids books as well on uh, Ken Griffey Jr., uh, Randy Johnson that were, that were, uh, that they were sort of biographies aimed at the, the, the teen market or the preteen market. So, um, okay. so, the, but this was the real, the first real like meaty book that I'd done. Excellent. Were, I mean, how was that experience in, in doing that? I'm sure you, you know, in talking with Edgar, you had to go off and talk with some of his former teammates as well to kind of get their perspective as well. So um, yeah. was it something kind of unique or different or since you've been covering the team for a while, like it was just kind of like another day in the park? Well, I wouldn't call it another day at the park. Uh, <laughs> what made it difficult was I also had a full-time job as, a, as the sports columnist at the Seattle Times. So... Uh, that made it challenging to, to work in a book project while um, working full time. But I mean, you know, I had to uh, use my time wisely and, and work a lot of uh, late nights and things like that. But uh, it was, a, it was very meaningful. And, and like you said, I did supplement it. I, I called up just about everyone important in Edgar's life called up or met in person uh, just to, to supplement uh you know, his story and uh, sprinkled some of those vignettes in the book, which, which I think enhances it. At least I hope it does. Um, so uh, it's something I'd love to do again, you know, do another book. Uh, so that's, uh, that's something that I'm sure I'll pursue at some point. Now, do you have like maybe some players in mind already? Or are you still kind of in the early stages of just like, that's an idea I want to do and we'll, we'll get to it yeah, later on yeah. down the road. I do have some players in mind. I don't want to talk. I don't want, you know, nothing okay. I've pursued yet, but I, I, uh, I have some ideas, but it's, it's just ideas. And, uh, you know, I, I'm still formulating what, what would be next. Maybe it won't even, maybe it won't be a biography. Maybe it'll be something, something different. It'll probably be in baseball, but I'm not a hundred percent sure of that. All right. Fair, fair enough. Well, I'm looking forward to it whenever, whenever that next yeah. one comes out. Thanks. Um, so kind of moving back towards the Mariners here, what is, in your opinion, the most fun season that you ever covered? Yeah, I, you know, a lot of people probably expect me to say 1995, which was their <laughs> breakout year, but I didn't come yep. to Seattle until 1996, so I can't say. I, I've written so many stories about the 95 season. I feel like I covered it, but I didn't. <laughs> I was still in the Bay Area. Uh, I had 10 years before I came to Seattle covering the Giants and the A's in the Bay Area. Uh, okay. So I, w- I would have to say 2001. Uh, it was just such an unexpected uh, explosion of wins that year. You know, they ended up winning 116. You had the whole each row thing, you know, mm-hmm. from spring training, this this unknown, uh, just what what was he going to be? And he turned out, you know, to be a, a sensation. But but chronicling uh, each rose rise, the, the the 116 wins, it was so memorable. Uh, you know, interrupted by 9/11, which kind of changed the whole tenor of the season. And then it did end in a disappointment. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, from a journalistic standpoint, that was probably number one. And then last year was probably right up there as well uh, to to get back to a playoff. Uh, you know, covering a playoff team after 20 years was 
was exciting and the actual playoffs were incredible the the sweep of toronto and then excellent series with the astros where the mariners got swept but um just the, the way that season turned around uh, from 10 games under 500 in june with the 14 game win streak to to making the playoffs and the, and you know her julio rodriguez bursting onto the scene and being being front front and center for that uh that, that was pretty fun as well yeah yeah there are a lot of julio fans out there <laughs> now uh thanks to thanks to his rookie year and everything and uh I've been a big fan of his and have probably been jumping the gun a little bit and saying that I feel like Julio is now the, the face of, of MLB. Um, but um, out of all the players that you have covered in your time, do you have one that like was your favorite one? Like maybe he was just like a goofy kind of guy or just because he was so successful on the field, that's why you liked covering him? I don't know if there's one. There's been a bunch of guys that I've liked. You know, Edgar, we already talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I thought covering Ken Griffey Jr. was a lot of fun just cause he was, you know, talk about the face of baseball. He was the yeah. face of sports really, uh, yeah. during a lot of that time. And just to be able to sort of see another side of him in the, in the clubhouse, uh, was, was, was special. Sometimes the, the favorite guys are guys that really aren't great players, but they're great personalities. You know, I had a great relationship with, with Paul Abbott. You know, a pitcher that not many people yeah. remember, but great guy. You know, Mike Cameron was always fun. I had you know, a playful relationship with him that still exists to this day. He's, you know, he's he's around a lot now. He's kind of reconnected with the organization. He was in uniform all spring. Uh, he's 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 doing some broadcasting with the team, some instructing. So he, I see him a lot. Um, you know, Mike Zunino is one that I would have to say I'm real fond of. Uh, you know, just a really nice guy, understood our role in, in the media. And, and, you know, the catcher is for the for reporters covering the team. The catcher is so important because you need them to talk about the pitcher most nights. And 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 Mike was was just completely approachable, you know, as was Dan Wilson before him. Uh, both of those guys are our are, are favorites. So there's there's a long list, you know. I the, the list of guys I like is a lot longer than the guys I don't like, which is a, <laughs> I consider fortunate. You know, there's only a handful of guys over the years that, you know, I that, that I, I I really uh, had an issue with or or didn't like particularly well. But for the most part, uh, guys are professional. They're they're good guys, and you know that that's really helped over the years. Yeah. So now when you have somebody that you mentioned, Mike Zazino, who had a pretty good uh, series here recently with the, mm-hmm. with the guardians against the, the M's, um, do you ever kind of like jokingly like get in touch with them again? Like, Hey man, like why you got to beat up on my team that I'm covering here? Like, can't you take a few <laughs> nights off or something like that? No, I wouldn't do that. Cause I don't consider my team for, first of all, I'm a, re- I'm, I'm a reporter and uh, it's not my place to, to, uh, to root for them or anything like mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, so I, I, I wouldn't do that, but I do, you know, when I, whenever I see them, I do, you know, I didn't actually get a chance this weekend cause I was too busy with other stuff, but I try to seek them out and say hello and ask how the family is doing and that sort of thing. Awesome. Awesome. So you mentioned about, um, 
about spring training and everything this past this past season, and obviously there was a lot of talk with the spring training, specifically around the new rules that have been implemented uh, in baseball with the pitch clock, the larger bases, the fewer pickoff attempts, and everything. What are your thoughts on all this? Like, is it better? Is it worse? I mean, is there more tweaks coming down the line? Uh, I like it. I, I've been a you know I've written columns about it. You know, I think the pitch clock could be the most significant rule change in you know the last fifty years or, or longer. It's fundamentally changing the game. Um, you know, I think there's some people who may feel that it's too fast. There was a two hour and four minute game on Saturday. Uh, two to nothing game that just flew by. And, and I think that's a valid concern, but I think as, as it plays out, I think that those, th- that type of game will be an aberration. I think they'll be around two forty-five, which I think is a, a kind of a perfect time. That's what throughout my lifetime, baseball games were two thirty, two fifteen, And then somewhere along the line, they just started stretching out to three hours plus and dragging on with guys stepping out of the box and, and I think as much as the speeding up the game, the, the rules are designed to get more action into the game, you know, mm-hmm. not just make it fast, but have, there was a very real concern about, you know, the three true outcomes dominating baseball. We're talking about home runs, strikeouts and walks, and none of those involve uh, all in play, you know, home runs in play until it goes over the fence, you know, that what makes baseball great and what people like are, are, are the action guys running around the bases, fielders making catches and things like that. And I think this is designed, all these rules are designed to, to, uh, to bring that back, you know, stolen bases with the pickoff moves and the bigger bases, the, the, the band of the shift should, should, mm-hmm. you know, help with the guys getting hit, you know, more, more, more men on base and things like that. And, uh, I think the pitch clock just leads to a crisper, a crisper game. And I think, uh, you know, the, the question of whether it's going to, in the playoffs, you know, when, when tension is, is higher and, and the stakes are higher, do you want the, to risk a playoff game ending on a automatic ball or an automatic strike or something <laughs> like that? You know, I, yeah. I wonder about that. I wonder if maybe for the final inning, uh, final you know, ninth inning and beyond of a playoff game, you, you take those rules off just so that won't happen. Maybe along the line, they'll decide to add a few more seconds to, to each at bat, things like that, tweak it a little bit. But I think uh, in general, I think they're good for baseball. And every survey I've seen, uh, the fans love it. So I think it's, it's here to stay. Yeah, I, I'm definitely liking a lot of the new rule changes too. And I think the banning of, of the shift is definitely going to help out the left-handed hitters. Yeah. Um, you know, a guy that comes to mind is Jared Kelnick. And his, I think it was his first – the first game this season, um, his first hit was a single that went between first and second base. And, like, great to see it. But I was, like, thinking, I was like, man, if that was last season, that there, the shift is on that goes right to the second baseman who flips it over to first base for an out. So – um yeah, I think that is something that's going to be very beneficial for for lefties as well. Um, kind of speaking about um, Jared Kelnick, is he like the most important young kind of player on, on this roster? Or is there somebody maybe elsewhere, either maybe in the minors that's thought to maybe come up this season or maybe in the next year that is going to be more important to the success of the Seattle Mariners going forward? 
Well, I, I mean, of the of the team that they have now, he's absolutely the key to me to sort of taking the next step as a, as a team. Uh, you know, this was a guy who was touted almost as much as Julio. You know, in some mm-hmm. publications, um, prospect rankings in the before last year, he was, Kellick was ahead of Julio. So the, the, the potential that was seen for this guy was, was off the charts. And, but, you know, as we all know, he's, he's struggled for two years in a row. He just, uh, you know, you mentioned the shift and I agree with you that it will, that it should help him not having the shift, but he's got to put the ball in contact. I think he struck out six times and 13 at bats so far this year. Uh, so, you know, he's taken a lot of strike threes, which is a little bit of, of a concern. Uh, he had a tremendous spring. It looked like he had made the right changes. His attitude was good. Uh, his mindset, he was in a good place. Uh, this is the, the, this, everyone said he needed a good start. He, he had a good couple of first two games. The last two haven't been so good. And here he is again, you know, struggling. So the, I think he just, he needs a really good series early in the year before it starts to compound and he gets in his own head and people start to wonder whether they should send him down and that sort of thing. He needs to stifle that kind of talk right, right out of the gates and if for his own peace of mind. And if he could be the kind of hitter that he showed, he had the potential to be in spring training and in the minors, just think what he would do for this lineup. Another potent bat there if he doesn't then they're going to have to scramble a little bit they really don't have many options beyond beyond him so uh he's he's very crucial i think to their to their success there are some guys in the minors after the second part of your question i mean there are some guys in the minors who uh, i think will make an impact this year but i think most of them are, are pitchers there's not much uh offensive help at the higher levels they're the guys that they're high on and counting on are like Harry Ford and, uh, you know, this, uh, 17 year old prospect, uh, Celestin shortstop. They just signed oh, yeah, yeah. raving about, uh, uh, Cole, um, Cole young, their, their top draft pick last year. You know, these guys aren't going to help them this year. There's three or four pitchers that could really make an impact this year, but, uh, I, I don't see much, much offensive help. Is it, is it a little too soon um, to maybe write off a former Gold Glover and Evan White contributing to the Mariners, or is there still a possibility he could somehow contribute to the team? Yeah, that's a good you know that's a good question. I, I did a story on Evan in spring training. He you know, he think he thought he had found the the solution to his core problems that had sidelined mm-hmm. most of the of the last two years, and he really early in spring he looked great. He was hitting. Then he kind of hit a slump, and I think I read that he's hurt again. You know, Tacoma's mm. just started its season, which is not what you want to hear. Uh, yeah, he is a guy. He's the one guy I should have mentioned him, you know, uh, who if he can stay healthy and, and hit in Tacoma, there's a spot for him on this team for sure. But he's been so injury riddled the last two years that he's really got to show I think he's got to show over a couple of months that he could play every day and stay healthy. And if he could do that, um, you know, there's there there's definitely a role for him on this team. You know, because he's a he's a tremendous first baseman defensively. There's I don't know if there's any better in the league. So if he, you know the, the possibilities, if he did come up, you know, he could play first base and tie 
Ty France could DH on, on some days. And, uh, you know, there's even been some thought that White could play other positions, you know, outfield. So, yeah. You know, but, but right now he's just got to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And speaking of staying healthy, unfortunately, Robbie Ray has gone down on the IL with a, um, with a, a last strain, I think it is. Um, and so Flexen has moved into the rotation to take his spot. Is there, I know at the beginning of the season, there's a lot of talk about how they, the Mariners had six starting pitchers. Um, but, you know, obviously they'll need all of them to go over the course of a full season. But now with the injury already hitting, is there a little more worry that the Mariners possibly don't have enough starting pitchers? Uh, well, first of all, a slight correction. It's a flexor strain, not a lat, which is probably equally as troublesome for a pitcher. Um, I, I think that's the one area where they do have depth. I mean, you, you don't want to lose anyone, particularly a guy like Ray, who looks so good this spring, but they did keep flex and a lot of people thought they were going to trade him, but I think they sort of anticipated they weren't going to go through another year like they did last year where they had no injuries to their starting pitching and they didn't even make it to two games, (laughs) but you know, they're, they're well set with flexing to slide right into the rotation. Uh, if it, I think they're maybe in this, as the season goes on, I think they'll be, they'll have other options with, with Bryce Miller and, and Dollard, uh, you know, Emerson Hancock, Prelander Baroa, but I don't think any of those guys are ready right now to come mm-hmm. up. So, uh, you know, I think if they had another injury at this stage of the season, They'd either have to go with a rookie without much uh, uh, experience at the higher levels of uh, of the minor leagues, or or they'd have, you know they'd have to go with um, you know some sort of uh, veteran uh, journeyman type arm, which wouldn't be ideal. So uh, I think they need they, they need these guys to 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 stay healthy for for at least a while until guys like you know Miller can can get themselves ready for the major leagues. Yeah. Yeah. Health is definitely going to be a big key. Um, and kind of speaking of health, um, Larry, we all know that Jose Altuve got hurt in the world baseball classic, which was unfortunate. And, and it also led to a lot of people saying, this is why they don't need to have the world baseball classic, which I totally disagree with. I thought it was wonderful and it's injuries can happen at any time. And it was just unfortunate. It happened when it did, but, have the Mariners done enough this offseason to dethrone the Astros and win the AL West, or is there still some more ground that they need to cover? Well, I think they could have done more. Uh, you know, I think we're seeing, you know, don't read too much into one series to start the year, but, uh, you know, I felt going in that they were probably one bat short of, of optimal and I think we're seeing that play out. But uh, I think if things break right, I think they have the I think they have enough talent to to catch and to catch the Astros. You know, they they were 16 games behind them last year, but I think that's a little deceptive. Uh, in the second half, it was a lot closer when the Mariners kind of took off, and the way they played them in the postseason. You know, each one of those games was very winnable for the Mariners. It was probably the toughest series. I mean, Dusty Baker and other Astros have said it was the toughest challenge they faced in the postseason was the was the division series that they swept from from the Mariners. But that said, a lot of things are going to have to go right, you know, including health, 
including the the offense. Uh, you know, there's going to have to be contributions from guys like uh, Kelnick, uh, 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 other <laughs> Kelnick and and uh, Teoscar Hernandez, and you know Raleigh's going to have to uh, take the next step. Wong. Um, the, the offense remains a concern. And I mean, in this opening series, I think the defense is theoretically a strength of this team, but that was a very sloppy series they played uh, against the Guardians. And they, they've got to clean that up as well. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely very discouraging to see the defense not be a strength, uh, especially when you kind of look at the Guardians and the Mariners. They're kind of built in a little bit of a similar fashion that they're both going to rely on pitching, defense, and, the, and timely hitting. Um, so, Larry, with that being said, is is it too soon to say this is World Series of bust for the Mariners, or is it, you know, since they won the wild card and went to the uh, ALDS. Is that kind of the bare minimum for them or should fans be expecting them to go to the ALCS and take that next step? Well, I wouldn't call it world series or bust considering they've never been to the world series in their (laughs) six year history. Cause uh, by that standard, they've been a bust uh, every single year of their existence. (laughs) Fair fair point. Yeah, Yeah. I guess fair point. Um, you know, I think playoffs are bust is probably fair. This is a team that, uh, you know, got there last year, broke the drought, and they think is a better team uh, with the, the additions that they've made. Um, you know, Louis Castillo for uh, Luis Castillo for the whole season is huge for them. He's a, he's a number one caliber pitcher that they had for two months last year. Now he's there for the whole year. The development of the two young guys, Gilbert and Kirby, you know, you thought Robbie Ray was going to go back to had a chance to go back to being a dominant starter. You know, he may, he, he may, but he's going to miss a couple months, probably you know, six weeks uh, to two months. I, I think is probably a realistic before he's back pitching in the major leagues. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's a blow, but you know, I, I, I just think getting to the playoffs and from there, it's, it's a crap shoot. Uh, you know, they, they, it would be great if they could get back to the AL- ALCS and even get to the World Series, but uh, you know, and they do have the. I think they have a team that's built for the short season with it, with its with the starting pitching and the bullpen that they have. So, and now with the experience that they have, I think they have that capability. But um, you know, for a team that's only that hasn't been to the playoffs but once in the last twenty years, I think maybe we shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves. All right. All right. Um, Larry, tell everybody where they can check you out on, on social media. And if you are uh, comfortable, if you don't mind sharing some of the items that you're, you're working on that they can look forward to reading. Yeah. I'm at stone Larry on Twitter. Uh, you know, seattletimes.com. You can find my, my columns. Uh, let's see. I've, <laughs> I'll be writing off of the, uh, Otani, uh, game on Wednesday. It's a day game, which is a mm-hmm. columnist's best friend because uh, you don't have to worry about deadlines as much. Uh, <laughs> so um, now that, I, I got a story on uh, the women's basketball tournament. It may, may not interest your readers, but that's going to be in tomorrow's paper. I am the general sports columnist, so I don't write only about baseball. Um, so that that was a very entertaining game for sure. Yeah. Yep. And it was, uh, it was there was a lot there to write about. 
<laughs> yeah. But I'll be writing a lot of baseball. Uh, you know, that's in my heart's still a baseball writer, which I was for about 30 years. So, uh, and this Mariner season should be fun. Yes. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to this upcoming sale manager season. That's already been underway. And then obviously just looking forward to baseball in general, there's a lot of excitement that's going on there, especially with the new rule changes that we're kind of seeing how it's playing out. So a lot of interest there, definitely uh, keep an eye on what's going on around the league and seeing what is the next great thing that's going to happen. Um, Larry, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And we would love to have you back here. Anytime, Chris. I enjoyed it. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you again, Larry. And for all the fans out there, please check out Larry and all of his work that he's doing. Follow him on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at the Replacement Level Podcast. Uh, This show will be up there. It'll be up on Apple Tunes as well and Spotify. So give us a listen, give us a follow, and see you guys all next show.